super friends with Eric Esquivel. Welcome back to Super Friends, everybody. Today I am joined by a puppeteer, a writer, a comedy guy, and an all-around swell fella, Matt Wilkie. Oh, thank you. Thanks for that introduction. That's beautiful. Hell yeah, man. Thanks for coming down. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm a big fan of the show. And a big fan of Superman, I guess. I am. You had me watch a two-parter that I hadn't seen before from the Justice League show. It was called Hereafter. Mm -hmm. And it's so good. Yes, it's very good. It's it's a classic combination. It, It takes a lot of... Things from the comics, like from the 90s, you get the death of Superman in there, yes. you get the funeral for a friend and mm-hmm. all of that. And then, it, and then it does its own thing in the second part where it's this brand new story and it's all about Superman. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's real fast talk about you and your relationship to Superman, to the character. Were you a Superman fan growing up or as an adult? When did you? When did that guy enter your sphere? Yeah, for sure. I was definitely a big um, fan of him growing up. Uh, I loved the Christopher Reeves movies. Excellent. Up until, you know, three. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and then it got really good. And then it got too good, <laughs> too good to watch. Let's say that. It was so good, I was like, I'm done. Like, why is Pryor in this more yeah, than Superman? Yeah, yeah. I liked him in that, actually. I was a big fan of Pryor in that. But then, when but you then, were a kid, when yeah. you were like six, you were yeah. a big fan of Pryor. Yeah, his big goofy face and his like, cigarettes, this, sure. will, this will make us kryptonite. Sure, sure. All the additives. Oh. Yeah. Um, and and I was a huge fan of the Batman animated series. Of course. That was like that was like my, my bread and butter right there. I yeah, loved yeah. that show. And so when they when they put Superman's own show on there, I was like, oh, this is gonna be even better. Yeah, and, yeah. and it was, and it was really good. And then um when they when they did Justice League, I wasn't still watching a lot of cartoons at that time. Okay. But then I got back into cartoons in a big way and I was like, Oh man, this Justice League is Killing me! It's so good. It's amazing. And, and then when they got to the unlimited, I was like, "This is even better." It just kept getting like like so those, many comics guys. That too. team was amazing, yeah. and and so every time they did another show, it just got better and better and better. Yeah, yeah. And so this episode was like like just like one of the best. Yeah, yeah. One of the like of of all the like starting from Batman to there, it was one of the best things they ever did. They really hit their stride. I think it's episode twenty three and twenty four, or 40, 43 and forty four. Yes. So yeah. they had done a bunch and they got all the kinks out and it's yeah, amazing. And the yeah. team's established. So you can launch right into story. Yeah. It opens with the Revenge Squad forming. So it's villains we'd already seen in past episodes who are awesome in their own right. They're now teaming up to kill Superman. That was very epic. Yeah, yeah, and it fit, and it felt it felt so menacing because you had people like Calabac and you had, yeah. you had uh, Metallo, and then and then at the same time you had like these like third and fourth year like Weather Withered. Yeah, yeah, and Toy Man, yeah, and Livewire. Yeah. And then and then the funny the funny thing to me is that Toy Man, who is like one of the most innocuous guys, is the one that actually kills him. Yeah, yeah. And 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 then like later on, Vandal Savage is like like well, spoiler alert, Vandal Savage gonna be later. Um, <laughs> He's like, he's like, he didn't even know what he had. It's like a children playing with toys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love in this that it's a collection of bad guys fighting Superman mm-hmm. because, like, we just uh, did you see Justice League the movie yet? I haven't seen it yet. No. So there's one bad guy, and that's sort of the the thing with these new movies. Like, there's they're fighting Ultron, the Avengers versus Ultron, and Justice League versus one guy, Steppenwolf. And I love when it's like a bunch of actual characters with character. Mm-hmm. They have a, a past with the, with the Superman. They're coming after him for a reason, not just like a swarm of gray people yeah. or like some sort of uh, hive mind creatures. Like these are all villains who we know and love already. So that was really exciting. Yeah, and it's an, uh, an equal threat for the league. Yeah, I was always a big fan of the the team ups, like the uh, like the Sinister Six when they all yeah. got together. It was it was like oh, okay, these it makes sense. Yeah, man. They all hate this one guy, so yeah. why wouldn't they come together? Legion of Doom. And and then and then when he's dead, they just you know split up the world in sixth or whatever and mm. and go from there. So so it always made sense to me, and I was like that that was the biggest thing because Superman on his own can beat. 
pretty much anybody. Yeah, yeah. But when you have six of them together, it's like, well, yeah, can yeah. he do it? That's the reason for yeah. the league, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it all makes sense, like, even with little kid logic. Yeah. Like that a lot. yeah. So this was really great. It showed, even in the fight sequence, that the league sort of does the best they can to minimize damage and to fight guys one at a time, but even they're still stalling for Superman. Yeah. You know, like they can't they can't like land the finishing blow until Clark gets that sort of his deal. Right, right. It felt it felt in the way like they were kind of saving it for him too. They were like, We know you wanna punch him. Like, <laughs> sure, sure. like like you've earned this. They've been they've been terrorizing and, and you're all about, you know, we gotta get the justice. We gotta mm-hmm. we gotta uh, you know, take down the bad guys, but like you kinda wanna punch him. There's, and I like this yeah. more than Doomsday even, because Doomsday again is like mm-hmm. a gray monster with no motivation. Yeah, yeah. So this was great to have people like talking and to have like an actual story happening. And, yeah. And so when Superman gets destroyed by Toy Man, like you said, you don't expect it. It's not Lex Luthor. It's not one yeah. of the stronger people. It sort of comes out of nowhere. It's how death actually happens. Just like weird fluke, weird action. Yeah, yeah. It was it was like the the equivalent of getting hit by a car by stepping out of the sidewalk. Yeah. But, but for Superman. Yeah. Which, yeah. Is, which is getting a giant ball of energy shot. <laughs> Some dumb Toy Man. Yeah. Blood. And then Wendy goes insane, which I thought was really cool. They, they always tease that she has more emotional connection mm-hmm. to Clark than she'll uh, show. Mm-hmm. And now when he's dead, it starts raining and the rain cascades down her face and it looks like tears yeah. so you don't know if she's crying or not but yeah. it's the same effect yeah. she threatens to murder Toy Man yeah. and Flash actually has Flash to is the one that said that which is great because it, it's it's. I think from there it becomes a story about Superman without him in it Yes, and yes. that's so beautiful because they're all there and, and Flash has that perfect line of like I'm trying to do what he would have done Yeah, and and it's like oh that hits you right there because you know that it's, it's the same reason why we are you know how many years later still reading Superman stories mm, because absolutely. he's He's taught us these lessons and these morals, and we're we're keeping them to heart. Yeah, yeah. And Flash just immediately steps in and be like, "No, we can't. We got to be better than that because that's how he would be." Yeah, I'm really happy you mentioned that. It's the theme of the episode, basically. Yeah. And then it goes on. And we show how people are affected by the death of Superman, mm-hmm. and even Lex Luthor attended his funeral, and he's like, "Believe it or not, I miss him too." Yeah. Like Lex never agrees with Superman. They both want to save the world in vastly different ways, mm-hmm. but in this incarnation, he doesn't want to like have his head on a pike. Yeah. He wants to beat. He wants to be the one who wins the argument, and now yeah. he'll never win the argument. Yeah, exactly. So now he's yeah. bummed out. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of it's it's like I'll miss him because I didn't get to kill him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you can tell like that's a little bit there, but it's also you you believe him. Yeah, you, you really do believe him. And I think yeah. that Lex believes that at some point Clark will come to his senses. And he will join forces with him and they'll conquer yeah. the world and they'll make things how they're supposed to be. Yeah. And I think Superman feels the same way. At some point, Lex will see the light. Yeah. And he'll join the Justice League and he'll make things how they're supposed to be. And they both have, like, are unmoving in that faith in yeah. each other. And I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. And they, they always, you can tell they always have respect for each other too. Mm-hmm. Like you can tell that each of them is like, like I know you're smarter than this. I know you're going to come around to my Yeah, way. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But... You know, he'll it grow just, up eventually, yeah, yeah. a little Superman. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's adorable. <laughs> and then we catch a funeral scene on, on the League satellite, and they're yes. all sharing these old stories about Clark and his heyday. And like, I really like that. It felt like funerals that I've been to and like mm-hmm. real life stuff where you're celebrating someone's life. And it was really relatable for a cartoon about people that can fly around in space. Yeah, yeah. I wonder, I wonder if I had seen that as a kid, mm-hmm. if I would have related to it more as like, um, or if I would have had a distance because I'm like, well, why are they laughing and joking? Somebody just died. Like, you oh, should sure. be sad. Because, yeah. like, as a kid, you're like, oh, that's that's what it is. But then when you see death as an adult mm-hmm. and you just know it's just another part of life mm-hmm. and everyone goes through it and, and you're there to support each other, that's a big part of yeah. of death as well is supporting each other afterwards. And more than anything, these, these stories that we leave behind are a legacy. Yeah. And Dwayne McDuffie was the writer of this episode who's no longer with us. Yeah. Speaking of stories and legacy. I love that man. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you read his comics work too? Or are you a I fan? Do. Yeah, yeah. 
I love the milestone stuff a yeah. lot. It was a uh, yeah. You know, he wrote the All Star Superman movie, the adaptation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And passed away like I think it was the day before. It was like it right, came yeah, out, right before the day yeah. of. Yeah. yeah. So his life is always kind of tied into these Superman funeral stories, which for me is really impactful because I sure. miss that. I miss the actual man who made the stories as much as I miss like Superman. Yeah, and yeah. Stories, so it's pretty great. Yeah, he he could really tap into that too. Like he was he was he was one of the guys where like you know Paul Dini had a lot of humor to him sure. and Bruce Tim had vision, but but Dwayne had a lot of heart. Yeah, like yeah. All, all the things he wrote, there was a lot of heart behind all of them. He really gets people, and yeah. you get that in this, in this episode. I like that Lobo immediately crashes the funeral uh-huh. and is trying to fill the slot of Superman. Yeah. And it, that's funny to me because like, is it, it's a little bit heartwarming where he wants to be Superman. Mm-hmm. He wants to be the main man. Yeah. Right? And also just him rubbing in that he's alive still. Yeah. Yeah. And Dwayne does that perfectly. He walks that line of like being really saccharine and then being funny for kids. Yeah. 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 My favorite, my favorite thing going back about like the actual funeral scene is how Aquaman is there. Mm-hmm. But even in a funeral, he doesn't wear a shirt. <laughs> Did you notice that? That's amazing. <laughs> he's just he's just sitting there topless next to his wife. And Does he have like the yeah. Chippendales like <laughs> bow tie on? No, like, like nothing above his waist oh, at man. all. I it was yeah, it was uh, topless Aquaman. <laughs> yeah. Just okay. splashing water on his gills every every four <laughs> minutes. Oh, Aquaman, you're the best and the worst <sighs> at the same time. So Lobo, let's keep talking about that guy for a minute because okay. he's he's a, the thread throughout both episodes. He sort of tries to be Superman now. Mm-hmm. What is your take on the Lobo character? I like him. Mm-hmm. I like him for what he is. I like how he's like this big brash guy, and and I know he was kind of created as kind of like a, a like a hit back against Wolverine and those yeah. gritty Marvel characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're coming through there, um, but I think that that gave him such a different perspective mm-hmm. on a lot of things. So so when he looks at Superman, he just sees you know a, a rock, a boulder, a, a fist, mm-hmm. and he thinks, well, I can be a fist too. Yeah, yeah. And he doesn't understand the other side of Superman, which is yeah. like the warmth and the heart and the um, you know. I'm doing this for these reasons and they're justifiable good reasons for good people and yeah, yeah. and so so his perspective is totally skewed and that makes for a lot of humor and then at the same time you know he'd never actually be in the Justice League and like even the design of the character there's no chest symbol he doesn't understand the power of symbols yeah you know he's just like I'm the main man I'm the dude he, he would never inspire anybody else yeah he wants to, he wants to impress and not inspire and they sort of play with that where he joins the league now like he sort of forces his way on for these two episodes this two-parter and becomes the new Superman he's gonna crush Calabac's head with a car and then Wendy stops him because she learned from Flash in episode one she's like don't do that we need like that's not a family friendly thing to do there's kids watching (laughs) we're only Y7 yeah exactly exactly so the coolest conceit of this whole episode or this whole uh, yeah this whole story is that Superman didn't die right? right he was launched into the far future and it's a far future where there was no Superman in the past, so mm-hmm. it's all doomed. Yeah, it's it's like a Mad Max style future. And at first, I think it's a, a different planet with mm-hmm. a red sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we don't know. And Clark start, he grows a beard, and he like steals a car and starts like hoarding gasoline. And yeah. it's, it's amazing. He's it's Superman without his powers, being a total badass. Which I think kids, you always argue about that, right? Like, yeah. what is Superman without his powers? In this episode, we actually see. Yeah, yeah, we see he can still, you know conquer everything he can he can outsmart everything and be like okay this is what i need to do this is how i need to survive he can when he comes up against the uh the wolves i guess yeah. you'd call them the alien wolves yeah yeah, yeah. He's, he's like no i can beat them and i don't even have to kill all of them i just need to kill the alpha male yeah yeah there's one that has like a weird uh, design on its fur this weird mm-hmm. symbol and and it's the alpha male yeah so it's very clearly like i'm an alpha male too i'm just like batman kids. Yeah, yeah. And he, he beats that wolf to death mm-hmm. after forging a sword mm-hmm. uh with a road flare and some iron yeah so he's like i'm still the man of steel i have steel 
steal in my hand. Yeah. And then he wears this the wolf's uh, pelt as a new superhero costume yeah. with that weird fur design as a symbol. Yeah. So the wolves respect him and they're like, oh, the new alpha. Yeah. That's really funny to me. Because <laughs> that's what the league is kind of, right? Yeah. They like, rally around him. Yeah. So so he's he's the leader yet again. Yeah. Do you like that? I know some people believe that like when Superman's powers fail, they want to watch him be like, oh my God, I got a paper cut. They want to see that, that harsh contrast mm-hmm. between what it's like to be in man and what it's like to be a Superman. I think I think for for earlier episodes for like like in this in the Superman series that they came mm-hmm. out that makes sense that makes like it's the first time he loses his powers and he loses them a few times throughout all yeah, the yeah. series so so the first time he does it yeah that's what it would happen he would like not realize oh you have to use your your pencil to actually you have to use your hand to push the pencil yeah, yeah. like it's not just like scribbling really fast and you're actually doing other things mm-hmm. you have to work to do these kinds of things mm-hmm. um so so i think he's kind of learned from that which is the benefit of having a show like this which is connected to other shows yeah, and yeah. have years and years of backstory to it episode so can, 43 of its own show yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah not counting the you know 80 whatever episodes of the other super yeah, yeah. Series. so so he comes into that already having that experience and having gone through that so he knows what he needs to do and he knows how to be a human mm-hmm. And so he can just be like, okay, well now I know I'm using my brains now mm-hmm. instead of my muscles. I'm I'm building these tools and and defeating these people on on different terms, but still on my terms. Yeah, and, yeah. and I can do this. Yeah. And I feel like having been around the league, he's seen that that's possible. Yeah, you know, he's inspired by the men and women who he serves next to. Yeah, this episode really makes use of continuity in a way that I think most suits don't think stories can. You know, where they're mm-hmm. they reboot every eight issues so that it's. It's a fresh, new, exciting story. So everyone's like un- inexperienced and kind of like the the stakes are higher because they might fail. Yeah. And this, like you said, it's like episode effectively like 150 of the Superman cartoon. Yeah. And there's all these uh, like characters from uh, Vandal Savage comes out of mm-hmm. nowhere, mm-hmm. having Toy Man and Livewire, having Superman like harken back to these old episode experiences. It really uses continuity to its benefit. Yeah. And I, it feels like a dense real world. Yeah, yeah. That's something that's something that I'm glad we have something like like the Marvel Cinematic Universe where mm-hmm. you can do that where you can just pull pull background characters out and people are like, "Oh, that's the dude from from the second Iron Man." Yeah, yeah. I, I recognize him. And and it's cool that to have all that lineage behind it, which is just what comic books have been doing for years and years and years. So. Yeah, yeah. And this franchise is the first to do it on the screen basically, right? Like yeah. we had this Batman animated series kill it. And then the Superman animated series kill it, and then they they combine for a team up movie, yeah. and they slowly built over the course of like a decade to Justice League Unlimited, which was the coolest thing that's ever happened so in cool. the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so cool. I I love how we were talking earlier about um how Superman being around the Justice League kind mm-hmm. of let him know, you know, okay, these are how people without my same set of powers mm-hmm. deal with the different limitations that they have, exactly. and and so when you go to the JLU and you get like more and more and more, it's it's they all look up to Superman, but in a way that we don't really recognize, he's looking up to them as well mm-hmm. because they, he sees that they have different limitations mm-hmm. and he's learning from them just as much as they're learning from him. Yeah, and that's yeah. Really cool. And he's no longer alone. Yeah. And but in this world, we see he thinks he's the last man on earth. Yes. And then eventually he bumps into Vandal Savage, who's an, as we know from the cartoons, is an immortal enemy. Yeah. Uh, and he literally was the last last man on earth because he destroyed the planet. Yeah. But now he's been alone for thousands of years, and he's like, yeah. oh, that was useless. Yeah. Like uh, power for power's sake is uh, meaningless, he mm-hmm. says to Clark. And I love that because it ties back into the Lobo series story that's happening yeah. in, in, the, in the main timeline. It, it's all about what is strength. And what is a man and what is like the value of being alive? Like what is what is the purpose of life? And mm-hmm. in Superman's worldview, it's always to protect others. 
Yeah, yeah. And Va- Vandal Savage failed to do that, and now he's living a hollow life and wants to undo his existence, and he's yeah. begging Clark for help with that. Yeah. And Lobo is feeling to connect and doesn't know what his strength is for, and I, I just love that idea. Yeah, it was, it was a good dichotomy there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love, um, I love just like, from a humor standpoint, I love it when it's a, a character who's been alone for like decades or centuries, yeah, yeah, and and they just go a little bit nutty, yeah, 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 and and like it's just like a little bit, and they just say these weird things like "I'm gonna cook dinner for you," and he's so excited <laughs> to cook dinner for somebody, yeah, yeah. So it, so it brings that that humor in there that that Justice League was really good at that they would do very serious storylines, but at the same time they're like, we know you need to laugh a little bit. Yeah, like, these are still library. cartoons. There's yeah. a library of self help books he's been yeah. reading, and they all have like little smiling. <laughs> Sons on the cover and stuff. <laughs> Let's talk about your comedy background. Can we jump into that for a minute? Sure, yeah. So comedy is your superpower. That's what you use to make the world better. <laughs> sure. And uh, sure. you were in my writing class at Meltdown for yes, a minute. Yes, I was, yeah. And you definitely, that was the dynamic that you had for sure, was you could like instantly brighten a room. That's really nice <laughs> to have around. Um, so when did you first get into writing comedy, or when did you realize that was a power you had that you could turn on as a kid? That was um, something that my parents had in their in their own kind of ways. They were both very funny, yeah. um, and when we would go out, like to have like um, like holiday parties with family or something like that, I could I could see the way that they could kind of take charge of a room a little bit mm-hmm. and they would they would um, always have those quips right away and so my dad was a big fan of people like Steve Martin and uh, the Muppets and things like that so so he taught me just by showing me these kinds of things and I learned a lot about that so it wasn't until like years later it was after I graduated college that I was like I want to try like doing different things mm-hmm. so so um, humor and comedy they kind of came at the same time mm-hmm. as uh, the puppetry that I started doing cool where I was like I've always loved Muppets I always love watching Muppets but I want to like learn how to to do this myself and mm-hmm. and and uh, like every time I go to a toy store I pick up a puppet <laughs> so so can I actually do it's this calling to and, you. yeah yeah so so I I, I kind of self-taught how to build them and then perform them and then and then is there an alternative is there a puppet college there are some like really? uh, like a, there's a, a school in Connecticut. Are and, they taught by puppets? They, <laughs> by the puppets, yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. they're, they're real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. just you just have to learn how to hold them. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, th- there are some colleges that have programs for it, and and so learning how to do it actually helped me a lot in comedy because I learned that if I was ever nervous about it, mm-hmm. by putting the puppet on you you kind of like separate yourself a little bit from that yeah yeah. and so that's the character that's really trying to get the attention so if i don't want attention i can just have him take the him or her take the attention away do you think clark does that with superman for sure yeah you yeah. think the superman's his puppet yeah a little bit yeah can like sort of uh dis- disassociate from what's happening in reality and yeah like, yeah no superman said it yeah. like i'm terrified right now but superman's brave yeah so exactly. superman's yeah, not scared yeah. And, yeah and then he goes home and he writes about it too yeah and it's, it's not like he's writing about himself because he can't write and then i I stopped Lex Luthor. It's, yeah, he's not live journaling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so 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 to have that little bit of distance, I think I think actually brings that out of him too. Yeah. That's really interesting. So your puppets, uh, you are on YouTube. Uh, a little bit, yeah, yeah. I, I have some scattered things here and there. I need to make my own channel. I haven't done that yet. Sure, sure. But but that's is that 
I know that you also uh, like write for late night shows. Yeah, you just had something with Brad Gage. Yeah, yeah, time. Brad Brad Gage and I um, I've been friends for years now, and he we love working together. So he was doing a late night uh, sketch show. So it's a it's he was the host of a late night show, and they were doing sketches on that. And when he wanted to build his writers room, he asked me to be a part of it. And Very I loved cool. It. Yeah, and then so what we ended up doing was um, it's his idea was to do it as an underground bunker. So funny. from the sixties, like Vandal Savage, like, yeah. losing his mind. A Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, so so he um, they they built this room like not a room but but the idea of a room around it and sure. and one of the things was uh, I was like well you need a sidekick yeah right and so it's it's a room in the sixties so let's like say okay well the radiation came down and it, it affected some things and one of those things was a Twinkie and now you have a giant <laughs> Twinkie as your sidekick so I built a puppet Twinkie and that, that is so there. cool. Yeah. What was his name? Uh, just Twinkie. They just call him Twinkie. I like it. Short yeah. and simple. Yeah. Is, and that was just available only live, right? Yeah, that was only live. I, they did record it, and I don't know if they're putting it out as a chunk or if they're doing it like just as the individual bits, mm. and that'll be online soon. Yeah. So this episode has someone that's alone and sort of going nuts, and so did that comedy yeah, show. Yeah. What is it about solitude that you think reveals people's uh, innermost qualities i think when we i'm a big um proponent of uh therapy as well i think it's great to, to cool. go to therapy and to talk things out and talk yeah, things yeah. through but when you're alone it's a different kind of introspection because mm-hmm. um, you don't get another person's perspective of that and you just have to deal with what's going on inside yourself mm-hmm. um so that's it's a good way like meditation can be a good way for that too sure and um, you get to you get to know what you feel and, and how it feels inside of yourself um, but it's it's a totally different way than when you're talking to someone else because you get that perspective, you get a worldly perspective. Mm-hmm. So so Superman, in a lot of ways, he's getting that from the Justice League. Yeah, yeah. And then when he takes that away, he's like, "What am I really inside?" Mm-hmm. And his motivation then, when he meets Sa- Vandal Savage, is he knows, "Well, I have to go back. I have to help. Mm-hmm. I have to do something because this isn't this shouldn't have happened, and the world is destroyed." But but it's. It can be better, and if I go back, I can help people be better. Yeah, yeah. And Clark sort of kicks into this Kal-El blank-faced survival mode every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And that's what we see in The Fortress of Solitude. It's when he's being non-performative. And he's just like, getting the job done. And here he did that too. He had to like kill that wolf and assume control yeah. in order to make his own league. And that's sort of what his dad as a farmer did when he had to like put an animal down or like yeah. you just you just do the job. But he doesn't feel comfortable that way. I think Superman existing to survive isn't mm. very interesting. Like I think his will would diminish. Yeah. If he's protecting someone, then he's unstoppable. Yeah. Uh, for sure. But he can't just yeah. be alone because he's not a self-serving person. Yeah. And that's really interesting to me. Yeah. And that's and that's why like you can even tell in that episode like a little bit he's he's kind of getting down on himself. Like he can't sleep at night. He can't yeah. uh, do any of those things. But when he realizes, oh wait, there's a way for me to go back and then I can protect people again. And that's what that's what I'm here to do. That's yeah. why that's why Krypton sent me here. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm on Earth and I need to get back and do that again. And it really motivates him and he works like Ten times as hard than he has been, and I like that it's very Superman. An episode, uh, Vandal Savage uh, regrets all of the things he's done, and he talks to him, and he's like, "You have to go back and stop me when I was younger," and it allows Clark to have more respect for the villain. And when they encounter next time, Vandal won't remember that, yeah. But Clark will. He'll know that there's light inside of him. Like with everybody, there's yeah. always a chance to redeem people. Yeah. Which is why the only thing I don't like in the episode is when he goes <laughs> back, he immediately kicks out Lobo. He's like, "You're not Justice League <laughs> material." Get out of here, you bum. Go back to Marvel. <laughs> and I wish that he would have used the lessons he learned with Vandal 
to approach Lobo in a different way of like, oh, I see you sure. want to join the league. That's amazing. We would love to have you. Here's our code of conduct. You have to stop murdering puppies. Yeah, like yeah. that would be sort of interesting. And and, and even if, if if like, you know, from a writer standpoint, you're like, well, we got to get him out of here. We don't actually want him in the league. Mm-hmm. So like so like the writer side of me is like, OK, well, that's how they got rid of him. But you bring up a great point where if Superman just happened to have the, the official Justice League handbook yeah. of code and conduct. Yeah, yeah. And he read it and he was like, nah, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that would be a funny end, too. Like, give yeah. him the choice. And yeah. he's like, eh, thanks, but no thanks. Uh, and then there's that teaser of maybe later. Because in that episode, they also talk about how Aquaman isn't officially a member of the League because mm-hmm. he's the king of Atlantis and he needs yeah. to do stuff. Other- and Batman isn't officially real, so he's not part of the League. And yeah. So Lo- Lobo could be an unofficial... Like when we really need your help, we'll call you in. Yeah. I thought he at least should have thanked him for for sure. filling the role. He should have been more supermanly, but instead he's sort of still has that like dick swinging bravado, and he has the <laughs> beard, and he's like he's not as social because he hasn't talked to anybody for a thousand sure, years. Yeah, so yeah. he's like, get out of here. Immediately. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of funny. So Superman, is that a character that you follow like on a monthly basis with the comics or do you just engage with it in like stuff that you like when you were a kid or what is your relationship to the ongoing narrative of Superman? It's a lot of the the stuff that was in my formative years. Sure. So, so like this version, the cartoon version is a huge part of me and I'll always love JLU and everything through there. Um, I love the things that I got into. So, so I was out of comics for a long time. I wasn't reading it for a long time. And then it was around when I started college that I read Identity crisis so good. and it was so good and it brought me right back into comics i was like this is great They're like this is what storytelling in me and that was like a part of a huge renaissance of like people who were from the literary world writing comics and i was like oh this is like you can totally do different things yeah and it makes sense to do that to have to have people from different worlds come in because they have those different perspectives and, mm-hmm. can, and can bring that in so it was a huge part of that and uh quickly after that i read the superman birthright which is oh yeah that's my like when i, I think of, of that. yeah yeah when i think of that origin story that's what i think of and so um so i loved what Wade did with that and so that brought me into like a different side of superman and, and so i i would just go back and like cherry pick through things and be like okay this is like the classic storylines i gotta read death of superman i want to see like what that was like and i want to read some classic stuff and then what was going on in dc at the time so i think that was like around when they started 52 and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff and i loved that series so so i read that and then when they did the new 52 the reboot mm-hmm. it just didn't hit me sure like it just didn't strike with me in any kind of ways it just felt like well we're, we're kind of just rebooting for the sake of rebooting it yeah, didn't yeah. feel like there was a good reason didn't feel like there was a strong point so so i didn't follow after that for sure. much longer it was it's like, funny to see what hits with what folks i yeah. i have some friends that they just love the reboot as much as you love birthright and sure. like to see what clicks with people it's yeah. really interesting yeah it might be like an age thing too like you said there's this sure. when, when superman hits you when you're seven he's with you forever yeah, like yeah. that's like the animated series that's like iconic for guys yeah. like you and me yeah do you think superman uh would be funny do you think that superman would have uh would make fun of would be self-deprecating i think I don't. That's a great question. Because he's a great leader, right? Mm-hmm. And and every great leader that I know doesn't take themselves that seriously, right? They allow they allow vulnerability, mm-hmm. and that makes them relatable, and that makes them trustworthy. Mm-hmm. And with Superman being kind of a fabrication that Clark has just created, like it's his ideal person. I wonder if he would poke fun at that image. I'll bet. I'll bet Clark could be funny. Okay, explain that yeah, distinction yeah, to me. Yeah, so I, I think that if Clark was ever like, oh, I want to write 
a humor column for a couple of weeks at the Daily Planet, or if or if he was like, oh, you know, I think I might try this stand up thing that I've been <laughs> hearing about. I think he'd do okay with that because he Clark can be self deprecating because he he recognizes his flaws in mm-hmm. a lot of different ways, whereas Superman is too much of an like he ha- he's he knows that he's an ideal to people yeah and so to go on a wide stage and do something like that would be really hard for him to, sure. to, to admit some vulnerabilities now if it's one-on-one and he's just talking to someone um who who needs a laugh mm-hmm. i'm gonna have some great dad jokes <laughs> sure yeah, sure. yeah. small jonathan kent singers yeah, for sure yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah he would know like like all the best knock-knock jokes right? oh that's adorable yeah, yeah. and and he'd yeah. be able to like like cheer up a kid who had just like been saved from a burning building sure sure and he he would just like give him like a like a little cute joke, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think Clark could be really if he wanted to be could could really do that self deprecation. I love that you mentioned stand up because I think that Clark is obsessed with things that he can't cheat on yeah. by being strong. Like though he's a writer because you no matter how strong or how fast you are, it doesn't change your perspective. Mm-hmm. So he's a writer because he's not as good as as Lois Lane, yeah. and that's interesting to him. Then he has to compete with somebody, and it's yeah. an equal playing field. Stand up, oh my God, can you not cheat at stand up? You know, like <laughs> yeah. you can't be strong and someone's gonna laugh. Like how do you control a room like that? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think he'd be obsessed with getting good at that. And 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 love failing, delight in failing. Yeah, yeah. Like and, he would he would bomb and then go off the stage and you'd be like, that was so exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that made me feel alive. You get more of an adrenaline surge from bombing on stage than fighting a giant Godzilla for yeah. sure, because the stakes would feel higher and yeah, stuff. Yeah. That would be a great Superman arc. <laughs> Clark Kent, world's funniest. Clark man. Kent's tight five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. my god, that's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. They did. Um, did you read? Um, if you read uh, the the Chip Zdarsky's Spider Man that he's doing right now. Oh, I just started. I really like it. I've read the first two issues and I bought the rest. Yeah, it's it's really good. And in one of the issues, uh, Spider Man is he's dating a stand up comic. Oh, great! And he and he goes to a comedy club and he's he's like, I gotta, we gotta get out of here. We have to protect somebody. We gotta go. But before we go, I, I've got this type five I've been working on for the past. <laughs> and, and so he tries to do stand up and he's awful at it. And it's so funny. All right, let's take a break. I'm gonna go read all of those Spider Mans. Do it, and we'll be right back. Sounds good. All right, and we're back. So I read all the Spider-Mans. I still like Superman. Still Superman guy. Yeah, I thought you would. Yeah. <laughs> what if the whole podcast changed? And I was like, no, this is another Spidey cast. <laughs> this Spidey is now friends. Spidey friends. Yeah, yeah. Spider-Man and his oh, amazing friends. Man. You know, you know how many people that you've already had on here that would be like, we got him finally. <laughs> you can admit that it doesn't matter that there's no such thing as a red and blue spider. Oh man, kills me. Kills me. <laughs> I was talking last night with my girlfriend about that. How like every job, every su- superhero is a rip off of Superman to me. Yes, yeah. he's the first. And yeah. So I was like, oh, here's the photographer, crazy. And then Green Hornet's the publisher of a news. <laughs> like every job has been taken so far. They're yeah. Like, here's the like, p- the copy boy. Right. The right. Is there is there like a letter setter that yeah, yeah, became that, a superhero? That'll be our pitch. Yeah. Our next there we go. The letter setter. Yeah. Yeah. So you also make comics. I do. And yeah. you haven't made anything that I know of that is very superhero-y yet. It's more like sci-fi fantasy. Yeah, yeah. The stuff I'm writing right now is all a lot of sci-fi and fantasy. Um, I do love superheroes. I've done some, just like for my own practice, I've done some specs of Spider-Man. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, not a Superman one yet, because I haven't found that. I, I always like to find a right story, mm-hmm. and then I find the character for it. Sure, sure. Yeah, so. Is that illustrated yet, the Spidey story you did? Not yet, no. Do you want to tell folks what you did? The, the idea was very funny to me. The, um, which the, the dashboard. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So, so I was list- I was uh, just listening to my iPod, and I was like, oh, I want to listen to like some old stuff, like stuff I used to listen to in high school. And so I put on Dashboard Confessional, and I was listening to this one EP that they had called uh, "So Impossible," mm-hmm. and it's just this four 
four song EP. And as I'm listening to it, I'm like, this is Peter Parker. This is just, <laughs> this is just 100% Peter Parker. So I wrote, I wrote a whole, uh, it was like, it came out to like 20, like 16, 17 pages yeah. of, of Peter Parker, like getting ready to go on his first date with Mary Jane. Aww, and that's and it was this really cute little story. They d- did a song for the soundtrack. Too, right? They did. Yeah. For the Spider-Man 2, mm-hmm. Vindicated. Oh yeah. And, I remember that. Yeah. Man. Yeah. And they even and, say web in the song. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And uh, there's it, a lot of like string metaphors. And, oh, I like it. And, uh, like and it. the video was like, like it was like, like it was like an, a comic book that opens up, and inside it's just like flipping through the pages, but it's just dashboard uh, singing, mm-hmm. like the band. And I was like, that's that'd be a very boring comic book, <laughs> especially because there's no music in comic books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's just you in like a like an empty soundstage. Do like somewhere. a Hallmark card where you open it and starts playing. Yeah, something. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I like Spider-Man too because it was written by the guys who made Smallville. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, it's just like Superman. In a Spider-Man costume. Okay. So Alfred Goh and Miles Miller wrote that. Yeah. It's the opposite of what's happening now where they hired Joss Whedon to make the Justice League movie. Mm-hmm. The back yeah. in the day, they're like, get the Smallville guys to make Spider-Man. It'll yeah. be great. And it was. It's the best one. It really was, yeah. So the stuff that you're writing, do you want to talk about that a little bit, about what your story is, your original creation? Sure, sure. So, sure. so um, I have a good friend of mine, Dave Holteen, mm-hmm. and he's a great artist. And we were at a Comic-Con two years ago, and we're walking around, and I just finished up working on a comedy show that I was doing, and we were wrapping it up. We were doing our last shows. And uh, I was like, man, I really miss just like working on something every, like, every week. Mm-hmm. I would have something to work on and something new to write, and it was really exciting. Mm-hmm. And he was like, we should write something together. Like, I love your humor you love my art um you know humbly he said (laughs) you love my art you have to because we're friends um no i'm a big fan um so so (laughs) just winked at me you can't see on the podcast (laughs) so um so so he he was like yeah i've had this idea for this character and i don't know what i want to do with him but it's just a character and it's it's this um this young black boy who has a like a frog alien sidekick friend and uh Let's just go from there. Mm-hmm. So, so we we're like, oh, okay, and then and then we decided we wanted to do kind of like a like an out of time thing, um, and then we changed time to space, and we said, okay, so he's he's working on this space station, and it blows up, and he has to get back home, but um, like all these threads started coming together to us, where we're like, okay, well, it's the government, they're behind it, and there's a secret um, alien race that's also attacking, kind of like uh, Stranger Things in the Upside Down, mm-hmm. and so so like all these uh, different elements came together, and it was just this, but at his core, it was about this this kid who wanted to get home and see if his family was still okay and that's like the core yeah that heart of it is is what what i always like you gotta find that one thing in in writing that's what i do that one thing that's like at the heart of it and you can go as big and as bold as you want but as long as you're keeping that core there and it keeps you grounded so what's the heart of this episode would you say this episode's heart would be just superman's desire to protect sure i like that i like that what about the character in general? What do you think? If you're pitching Superman as someone who'd never heard of him before, what would you say was the the heart of that story in general? Um, I would probably say the same thing. Like yeah. like the 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 desire to protect. I like that. Yeah. I, I like it. I like the, the idea that um, if you have the power to do anything, what do you choose to do? Mm-hmm. And and it's to help. Yeah. That's adorable. Yeah. yeah. He's he's never like like you never see he's not like Booster Gold where he's looking out for sponsorships. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's not like like Batman. Not even punishing. Yeah, Batman's yeah, justice, yeah, right? He's justice punishing Batman. Yeah. You know, he needs revenge or anything like that. It's, it's always like I am the big guy. 
but I need to help the little guy. Mm-hmm. And and that's what like in the Justice League Unlimited when they get to the Green Arrow episodes. Mm-hmm. I'm like that's that's always like Green Arrow is is kind of spouting about that. He's he's like, you know, you're the big guys and you're stomping around, mm-hmm. you're you're throwing monsters everywhere, but like you know, there's little people in the street and they get hurt. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Superman is also a really big part of that too. He's always looking out for. It. That's why I loved um Superman Returns. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I that movie gets Shit on a lot. Can I see that? Yeah. Well, you did. You okay. Just did. Okay. Sorry, <laughs> I was trying not to curse. Um, so, but but that that part where he's like he's going through the city, but but that and everybody talks about that the laser beams that's to melt favorite. the glass. Yeah, yeah. It's that's Superman to me. Yeah, that's yeah. No that's where I was like, yeah, he's that's where I was like they they understand it. They know what this character is because because it's not like Man of Steel where it just becomes disaster porn at one point. It's it's really helping out and and you want to do the right thing but you want to protect as many people as you can yeah and that's both those stories um are half right right because you have to have that epic scale that man of steel had Mm -hmm. for it to be a superman story for there has to be a reason that batman can't solve it right you know it's a super this is a job for superman actually means something there's weight to that and then he also has to make sure that everyone's safe and there's no other franchise where that's possible because no one else is superman but yeah Global damage and destruction, and then also no one gets a boo boo. Yeah, that's what Superman yeah. is. It's amazing. I, yeah, and I feel like like stuff like Avengers is in in a way it's cheating because you're taking all of those different pieces mm. and you're just kind of separating them. But like this is the strong one, this is the smart one, this is the fast one. But mm. but Superman is all of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that weight of being all of those things weighs on him and you need those moments where you can feel it where he can be like I have to be everything to everyone mm-hmm. and that makes me like everybody's looking at me and it's it's hard yeah so I have to be a better person and it pushes him on and what you mentioned earlier that's why there's a league too right it's not maybe Superman could always defeat the physical threat but having that league and having people to talk to you about yeah. this and keep him grounded and also like keeping him in check if anything ever went wrong. Mm-hmm. Like he has a, a contingency plan called the Justice League that could stop him. And yeah. that's very useful. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. There, so there's way more reasons than just the physical threats why he has the league. What else do you think? Like if you were Superman, why would you form that team? I, I think for for companionship mm-hmm. in some ways, um, it's you know being one of a kind is great, but at the same time it can be very lonely. Mm-hmm. And so he has a fortress of solid. He literally has a fortress yeah. of solid. <laughs> so so if he wants to be alone, he can go there. But he knows that like he he's he is not just among humans. He is human in a lot of ways. That's how he was raised by his parents before he ever knew he had powers. So he is human, and he needs that human interaction. And um, I think also a big part of it is that. There's always those you'll, you'll see in a lot of Superman stories the moments where he's um, like up above the world, sure, and like he's outside of Earth and he can hear everything going on and mm-hmm. he has to determine which threat is the most important. And if there's threats going on everywhere, mm-hmm. he literally can't save everyone. So to have a league like that and to have like somebody like John Jones mm-hmm. monitoring everything and being like, okay, we can send this team here, we can send oh, that team yeah, there. Yeah. Like I think that's a huge part of it. I think sure, I think filter? yeah, yeah, to to be like. There's crap going on everywhere, and and somebody's dying every minute, and we can't save all of them. But but if we do this, if we work together, we can save a lot more than yeah. any one of us could alone, and any one of us could do, you know, so many great things. So let's work together and do that. That's great. I see, we see when he's alone, like in this episode, he's not quite human too. He's not quite as emotional, and he's not quite as like. There's something different about Clark Kent yeah. than there is about Kal El. You yeah. know, they're both performative identities. So I think having 
flat out human beings next to him helps him keep things in perspective yeah. too. Like people like Green Arrow, like you just mentioned, help explain human perspective and what's mm-hmm. happening and and like politically, like yeah. how he's being perceived and having those different voices is always useful. It's like it would be like having a president with no cabinet, which right. would be a horrible thing. Yeah, so yeah. that's cool. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I like that a lot. Thank you. Yeah. I, like yeah. I like the Superman guy. He's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good character. So the time machine thing, let's talk about that. Yes. If you had a time machine, Matt Wilkie, <laughs> and you could go back and fix one thing in just your life, not the world in general, okay. not anybody else's deal, you couldn't save anybody else, specifically in your life, what would you go My back and life. address? I would go back and tell my younger self that the things that you're passionate about to keep that passion going, to, like to have things. Because there are a lot of times where I'm, I'm at a point in my life now where it's like, okay, I love writing. I love doing puppeteering. I mm-hmm. love doing this stuff. But I still have to make money. I got I to gotta go through it. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so if I go back and tell myself, listen, if you like really commit to this this thing, whichever, whichever thing it is that you're passionate about right now, you can find a way to make money off of it. You can do like you can, you know, I grew up in a small town in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and I live in Los Angeles now, one of the like most opportune rich cities yeah. in the world. Very so, so, um, so to tell my younger self, you know, you can do that one day. You can go there and it's going to be tough, but you'll make it. Mm-hmm. And if you have those skills and you've been doing them for your whole life, then you're going to exceed at them. And on top of all of that, you're going to do those things that make people happy. You're going to go on stage sometimes and tell a really bad joke, <laughs> but tell it in such a funny way or like a weird way or like whatever kind of commitment you make to that joke that people are still going to laugh at it. That's and, great. And you're going to bring, you know, it's like, it's that Kermit philosophy that I always have. I have, a real, I have a real Kermit the Frog philosophy like where, it. it's, where it's, you know, like in, in that first Muppet movie, mm-hmm. they're like, you know, you can go out there and you can make millions of dollars. And it's like, oh, that sounds good. And he's like, but you can also make millions of people happy. Yeah. And that's what motivates them to get out of the swamp and, and go to Hollywood. So that's, that's what I'm shooting for. You're interesting to me personally because I thought when I was a kid, if I didn't focus on one thing that I could never make it. So like I would be like Stan Lee and just write or, you know, like I had friends who just devoted themselves to just drawing or just performing or just singing or whatever. But you do like five different things. That's really interesting to me. It's like Superman have many yeah, different powers. Yeah. People always go like, why isn't Superman Superman all the time? Sometimes he has to be Clark Kent or he has that Fortress of Solitude where he's just Kal-El. What is it about having these different alter egos for you personally that that like is so fulfilling? Like you're not just a comic writer. Mm-hmm. You're not just a, a comedy writer. You're not just a pu- pu- puppeteer. Like what is that? It's it's for me, it's it keeps me entertained okay. like on a personal level too. Like like I can be like, OK, today I just want to like build a puppet. <laughs> That's all I want to do today. I just want to like be you alone. Plan ahead of time. You don't be like Tuesday's pop up day. It's just like whatever you feel like. Yeah, yeah. Whichever, whichever like like I, like I, I set aside creativity time. Okay. And then however that manifests is what I do that time. Oh, that's so, cool. So yeah. So like like I have a plan of like all right, I'm gonna build a puppet today, and I'm just gonna sew, and I'm gonna cut things, and I'm gonna make this thing, and then like the next day I'm gonna be like I'm just gonna write today. Awesome. That's all I'm gonna do. I'm gonna sit down. I'm gonna break down this story that I've been thinking about, and that actually helps me in a lot of ways because while I'm doing one thing, I'm thinking about the other thing. I call it backburnering. Okay. So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about, okay, what's this story that I've been trying to write and why hasn't it been clicking? Hmm. So in the back of my mind, it's kind of like boiling up a little bit yeah. and, and then the water's ready and then I throw all the ingredients in and make a great soup. <laughs> That's, cool. That's yeah. cool. There's no pressure to do it like immediately. I'm just right. like staring at a blank page. You're making yeah. a puppet. So yeah. you're still being productive. Yeah. That's cool. I love that. I love that. Well, Matt, this has been great, man. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having this. me. If folks want to check out your stuff, your various works, and they really really should where can 
they find you online? The best place to find me online is is I always put stuff up on Twitter. So okay. um, I'm at Writing Wilkie. Uh, so that's W R I T I N G, and W I L K I E. Writing Wilkie. Excellent. And you're on YouTube too with the Hand Pals, the puppet guys. The Hand Pals. Yeah, that's that's a group that we we started and and we did like a few videos. Never went too far anywhere uh, but but we have like a really great web series and i think that's up on that site too. i'm still a fan so that's youtube.com slash ham pals yes. h-a-m-p-a-l-s yeah. yeah well cool man thanks let's go make some puppets let's do it bye bye Ooh, super friends with eric esquivel